Well, as Susan said, I'm David, uh, and this is my wife, Tara, and we've been married for 22 years. I think we have a picture. Uh, We look pretty much the same, but it has been 22 years ago. Uh, We moved to Dallas, Texas from Dallas, Georgia about two years ago. There is another Dallas, um, so just in case you didn't know that. Um, We've known each other since we were 12, uh, and during our teenage years, we were really at opposite ends of the social ladder. One of us was a super popular cheerleader and the life of the party, and the other one was a socially awkward introvert who struggled to make friends. I'm not gonna tell you who's who, who's who um, but we're really proud of the progress Tara's made. Um, really come out of her shell lately. Um, But just know that uh, God could not have brought two more different people together, and the fact that we are on this stage tonight is a testament to his grace in our life. So we do have two children. Sam is 20 years old. He is a junior at UTD and a wake small group leader for seventh grade boys, and Faith is 18, and she graduates from high school this Saturday. They're almost gone. (laughs) No, the 20-year-old still lives with us. So I think we have a family pick. There they are. There's our peeps. Yeah, the 20-year-old just discovered he could grow facial hair this year. It's super exciting at our house. Um, So I just completed um, my year in the Watermark Institute with Reengage, and there is a lot of excitement between that and graduation going on in our house right now, but I can tell you we are especially excited uh, to share with you tonight how the goodness of God has transformed our lives and our marriage. I grew up in a pretty religious home with a dad who was really overbearing. Um, I felt like I could never really please him. And every time I tried to help or be forced to help with stuff around the house, I just couldn't get it right. Uh, I'd end up getting yelled at and feel like I just couldn't do whatever he was asking correctly. So uh, at that same time, I grew up in a pretty um, rigorous or strict uh, private school that had a demerit system. And I was not the most self-controlled child. So from like second grade to seventh grade, I had detention like every week except for like three weeks. So that was fun for my self-esteem also. Um, And so, uh, but both of those things combined kind of fueled the thought that uh, no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get it right. Um, I just wasn't enough. So the message I received from that was that you are, David, loved and accepted when you get it right, but you are punished when you get it wrong. So you better get it right the first time. And knowing that I couldn't get it right, the first time I became this master of hiding. Um, So as I continue to mature and my struggles look different, I kind of mastered that art of hiding my flaws. Um, I was convinced that if people got to know me, they would dismiss me and just run away. So I invented a really likable facade that would attract friends. I put that in air quotes because they're not really friends if they don't really know you. Uh, So I carried this mindset into marriage, which was not helpful at all, Um, and I tried to hide all my faults from Tara. So I was hiding a lot of my struggles like anger and pornography, some narcissistic tendencies, because I felt like if she knew those things about me that she would leave, Um, and I just didn't want her to see that side of me. Proverbs 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, 
but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Unfortunately, I would not learn that lesson until much later. Uh, When Tara would rub up against my faults and react to me in a way that was similar to my dad, I started to resent her like I resented my dad and began to think that she was my problem and she was the reason I was unhappy. The biggest secret that I was keeping her from her in those first eight years was my struggle with pornography. And there were instances where she had uncovered it, um, found me out, but she had no idea how frequently I was turning to it and how much it had a hold on me. Uh, And I felt trapped because I wanted to be different. I wanted um, her, um, I wanted to stop, but I also um, wanted to stay married to Tara and I didn't think I could do both. I didn't think I could tell her and, and have her stay with me. Uh, so I thought uh, changing and let her, letting her see behind the curtain would be too much for her, and she'd leave me. Um, additionally, because I had spent years hiding from everybody, um, I didn't have a lot of great community with which to process that. So I was left to try and figure it out on my own. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve and sixteen twenty five both say the exact same thing, and they say uh, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the way is death. So I grew up in a Christian home and attended a Christian school from preschool through high school. Uh, I was at church or with church people every moment of my life. I was taught to live for God in every aspect of life, but I experienced more of an emphasis on morality uh, and behavior management than really living from a heart that surrendered to Christ. So the external seemed most important. That caused me to become a constant critic of myself and others and to assess whether I was measuring up based on that, and even if they were. Uh, I received the message that perception is more important than reality. You must look good, even if you're not good. I genuinely desired God and to have a relationship with him, but I didn't know um, how to make that happen. So I just created the good girl good Christian girl facade, um, but I, uh, that wasn't really the reality of my heart. So I believed the lie that as long as I looked good, I was good. I struggled with perfectionism and couldn't fully accept God's love for me. I had very high expectations of myself and was not gracious to myself or others internally, even though I seemed very gracious externally. I carried this mindset into marriage. I had worked so hard to manage my own actions and life reputation. So when David became my one flesh, uh, I saw him as another reflection of my reputation in this world. As a result, I treated him in very controlling and critical ways. My expectations of him were unrealistic and unfair. I cared more about his actions than his heart, just like I did with myself. Uh, So if I discovered a weakness in him, I reacted with judgment and control rather than love. Um, David's sin struggle became a really great target and distraction for me to avoid addressing my own. Matthew 7, 3 through 4 says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but fail to notice the beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye while there is still a beam in your own eye? Depending on myself rather than God caused me to struggle with anger. I would make an effort, but if the effort didn't produce what I had hoped it would, I got angry because I absolutely hated making mistakes. And I hated other people's mistakes too. I was really unyielding. 
So when I, faced, when I was faced with my own failure and weakness, my perfectionism led me to blame others to take the focus off of myself. Proverbs 15, 12 says, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. She will not go to the wise. Rather than seeking wise counsel to see the error of my ways, I just continued trying to handle it my way. So we had both spent years trying to manage our sin rather than kill it at all costs. We were storing up these horrible attitudes in our hearts that just were festering and leaking out in sinful ways onto everyone in our lives. Uh, at this point in the story, we had been married eight years and I was really bitter towards Tara and utterly convinced I had just married the wrong person. I started looking for someone else to make me happy because I was so messed up in my thinking that I actually thought it was all Tara's fault and I was just a poor, innocent victim of her anger. Out of the evil that I had stored up in my heart, I had two affairs and built an entire secret life that Tara knew nothing about. And again, because of my lack of community at the time, I started seeing a counselor just to try and figure out how to right the ship. He ended up being more like um, a brother who guided me spiritually. In 2007, I was sitting in his office on Good Friday afternoon, and the Holy Spirit started wrestling with me and would not let me go. Up until that point, I had hidden most of this secret life from even my counselor, which side note, how just stupid is that? You're paying somebody money weekly and you're lying to him, so he, there's no way he can possibly help you. Um, but the Spirit kept screaming in my ear, if you're ever gonna be the man that I created you to be, you've gotta risk it all and finally be honest with everybody. I let my counselor know what the full truth was and his mouth hit the floor. Uh, when I left his office to try and begin to tell Tara everything that I had hidden from everybody, he and I were both convinced that my marriage was over. He knew Tara at the time and this was not gonna be um, something she received well. Uh, but at that point when I left his office, being reconciled to God was more important to me than saving my marriage. I knew I had to be right with God in order to give my marriage any chance of surviving. So once I disclosed everything to Tara, things blew up for us, um, and we were desperate for help. So we actually went to Colorado for an eight-day intensive, and that's when I caught a glimpse of what biblical, um, what it meant to be a biblical man, husband, and father. Um, I came home from that trip with a renewed passion for Christ and ready to do whatever it took to be the man he created me, uh, created me to be. So when I became aware of all the ways that David had betrayed our relationship, my natural response was anger. I know this comes as a shock. Uh, but I was really sure it was righteous anger. I'm sure you felt that way sometimes too. I prayed for months that David would repent and turn back to God and me. Interestingly, when he did, I was even angrier. I was angry at God's forgiveness of him and how little pain David had seemed to endure while I felt like I had suffered greatly. It was easy for people to feel bad for me and see a good woman that was hurt by a bad guy. But that's what I had worked my entire life to ensure that they would see. But that's not the truth. We like to choose sides and find the bad person in a situation, the person to blame but there are no innocent victims in marriage. We all contribute something. God mercifully allowed circumstances into my life that tested the truth 
of my so-called goodness. I was focused on morality, not submission to Christ, like the elder brother in the story of the prodigal in Luke 15. Christianity as a religion fit my fleshly self-righteousness very nicely. I liked doing right and being seen as a nice person, but that was for my own glory, not God's. God was calling me to offer David forgiveness, but I struggled with the seeming injustice of forgiveness. During my struggle to forgive, God asked me two questions that began to change my heart. First, he asked, how much of me do you want to know? Philippians 3.8 says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Of knowing Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He challenged me not to limit my experience of him by seeking simply to avoid pain. Loss and learning to forgive would draw me closer to God, and he wanted me to know him. Second, he asked me, how much are you willing to endure uh, for the sake of another person's soul? And Hebrews 12.2 tells me, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was to come. That joy was the salvation of our souls. He reminded me that he didn't enjoy the pain of the cross. He despised the shame of it all. But he humbled himself and endured endless losses to ensure that I could be restored in right relationship with God. The justice I was looking for was on the cross. Christ paid for our sin, mine and David's, and yours. I forgive because I have been forgiven. He asked me to prioritize David's relationship with him over David's relationship with me. And he challenged me to humble myself and endure for David's soul. And ultimately, he saved my own soul as well. So in these last 14 years of journeying with God in this new way, uh, one of the biggest shifts that's happened in our hearts is the grace that we now extend to each other. We don't do this perfectly, but... Uh, we still struggle with horrible communication at times. Um, our personalities still lead us to try and solve problems with different approaches. And we're slow to compromise because we like our own ideas. Um, another way of saying that is that we're very stubborn, but uh, that's just who God made us to be. Seeing who we are apart from God is really humbling. So we work to continue submitting ourselves to him so that the previous attitudes we had don't grow in our hearts and minds. Our desire has shifted from trying to honor self to trying to honor God. Also, I wish I could sit here and tell you that once I came home from Colorado, that I never struggled with porn again and that things were magically cleaned up in my heart, but that's not true. I still wrestled with it for a few years after that, um, but I committed to tell Tara about it when it happened and work through the pain of that instance with her. It does not have a hold on me right now, but I'm still diligent to depend on God and aware that he is the only reason that it's lost its power in my life. Right now, God is showing me subtle ways that I am not dependent on him, 
When we lived in Georgia, I had a really comfortable, familiar life filled with routines and surroundings that made life really easy for me. So easy that I could exist in that environment without really depending on Christ. And that's dangerous. All of that was taken from me when God called us to move to Texas. And I've been surprised to discover some of the things that God is showing me about my own heart. Uh, We are in a tough period of trying to establish life in a new area. And while we have made friends and are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable here, God continues to remind me that my goal is not to reclaim some level of comfort here in this new place. He hasn't promised me that life would be comfortable. He's only promised that in the midst of the ups and downs of life, he will be with us, and that will be enough. John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So God is growing me to not depend on this world for comfort, but rather depend on him. He's the only one or the only thing that is dependable and the only one that can satisfy the deep longings of our hearts. So the way God transformed my heart 14 years ago revealed to me the truth of my sinful self-righteousness and my true need for the Savior. As I have been following God in these last many years, rather than myself, my anger has decreased a lot. He helps me resist uh, my unfair expectations of myself and others, which often fuels my anger. He guides me in understanding the hidden motives of my heart and helps me combat the lure of my self-righteous flesh that tries to convince me that I have power apart from the Spirit of God. I used to be focused on David's actions and how they affected me. Uh, And that made me not a safe place for him to be a real person and share his struggles. So now I understand that his relationship with God is much more important than his relationship with me. We share openly about our daily thoughts and temptations in a way that diffuses their power in us. Neither of us live under the delusion that we've got this. We live in constant dependence on God for every victory in our hearts and minds. I'm following God's plan now. So when the plan doesn't go in the direction I expected, you know, like moving to Texas, I pray and I wait for him to give me new understanding. And he is so faithful to give me the faith I need to continue with him, even if I don't have a fuller understanding. He's in charge, not me. And I experience this a lot like GPS in my car. I'm heading to a destination, but I don't know how to get there. Trust allows me to follow the turn-by-turn instructions without knowing all the turns that are coming. Thankfully, God is infinitely more trustworthy than my GPS. He can actually change the roads to be where he wants them to be. His sovereignty is really why I get up every morning. Uh, This world always seems to be spinning out of control to me, but I can rest in knowing that God has everything under control and I'm on my way home. What we hope you've heard in this little 20-minute version of our story um, is that God's work in our hearts and lives is the only reason that we're here together today and that we're able to share a story of his amazing grace with you. It's not because we're smarter than anybody else or because we read the right book. It's because we followed Christ imperfectly one day at a time and he led us out of the pit. 
But we both agree that our journey has been harder than it had to be. Uh, We only had glimmers of biblical community along the way, and that made the burden we carried much heavier than if we were sharing our lives with others. The darkest points in our marriage journey were the points uh, where we were most isolated. That's why we love serving and re-engage, because we get to walk with couples and remind them of the hope that can be found in Christ. Even in the midst of circumstances that would otherwise seem hopeless, So I just want to encourage you, take advantage of the gift that you have to walk with other people rather than be alone. And if I can give you just one thing to hang on to this evening, one ounce of hope, it would be that no matter how bad your situation is, God is bigger. My favorite verse is John 1, 5. It's a short verse, but it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't care how dark your story is, God's light can bring you out don't stay in the shadows tonight one of the things Jesus was accused of by the people that hated him was being a friend of sinners you have a friend tonight and his name is Jesus And if you trust him, he will walk with you through this journey. This verse has brought me so much comfort tonight and through this journey that the light of God's love and grace overcomes even the darkest of sin. It gives me hope for my own heart when I'm reminded of the darkness in my own soul apart from Christ and it gives me hope for other marriages that may be struggling. Bring the light of Christ into your darkness. So when we were in the thick of our struggles, no one could have convinced us of what God was going to do in our lives, let alone the ripple effect of grace that he would produce in the lives of others through his story and ours. Our lives are completely changed, and our children's lives are completely changed. Many of our friends' lives are completely changed and countless others because God's grace has an endless reach. We encourage you tonight to relate to each other with Christ's redeeming work in mind rather than your own personal desires. It's easy to make marriage about our own happiness, but the real joy of marriage is found in loving one another as God has loved us. It's tempting to see each other as an enemy But the truth is, sin is our enemy. And in marriage, we get to join forces to do battle against our sin together instead of being alone. How would your daily interaction change if you were focused on supporting your spouse and their connection with God more than on the ways your spouse could make you happy? Always remember that your circumstances may be difficult to overcome, but they are not impossible to overcome. Luke 1.37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. If you are feeling like you're in an impossible situation, remember that God is fully capable of fulfilling the good plan he has for your life. The struggles of life are often the catalysts for his greatest work in our hearts. Submit yourself to him and he will do it. Thank you for letting us share.